soul of an internet machine. A podcast journaling the adventures of a software development team creating new applications for a Belgian client called Electrotest. We are striving to meet the client's requirements, improve process, build great software, have a bit of fun, and maybe make a few new friends. Follow us through our shared adventures. My name is Christina Moore. Find me at the website christinamoore.us. So, welcome to Series 2023. This podcast has no sponsorships, accepts no advertising, and represents my individual efforts. Enjoy for free and no annoying interruptions. Episode 6, A Heavy Lift. Our Electrotest project started fast. Dimitri, our project leader, established some rules and objectives. We had the required timeline describing deliverables and their related dates. That's project management, right? Top marks for full-color Gantt chart with tasks spanning vertically down the list and due dates spanning laterally. February of 2022 showed us a gradual transition of our projects limiting to specific goals that will benefit the organization. We shall generate and deliver invoices by summer. Success will require capturing data from legacy systems and generating invoices using United Code's Apex Office Print AOP. And before going live with this module, we will be communicating with multiple external systems transmitting invoices to a cloud-based accounting system and to a Belgian-based firm that distributes invoices. We need perfect customer data. Additionally, we need perfect service order data. With this foundation, we can then generate invoices in Dutch and French in accordance with the client's preferences. We had already developed the application framework using two Oracle Apex applications. The majority of the users will engage only with the customer service application. Managers and designated staff can jump over to the administration application to update lookup tables, adjust user credentials, and view the -the behind-the-scenes data such as errors, logs, and the like. We've been building credibility and honing the look and feel of the application. In February... A new member of the team presented the requirements for a new application for exactly one division within Electrotest. The division that inspects equipment called lifting wanted a portable application to aid their inspectors performing their duties. Lifting equipment includes material handling equipment, or MHE as we call it in the U.S. These devices are forklift and crane and elevators, lifts, and related equipment. We, the developers, guessed that the legacy system for performing inspections did not meet the needs of this division. We should greet an expansion with joy and excitement. It is the work that we do. Instead, the project came with deadlines, requirements, pressures that created competition with the core tasks. Teams can accommodate competition for resources by adding people or expanding our scope. When software development teams add people and add scope, our profits tend to increase. The cost to the client goes up. Our lifting project, to craft a bad pun, would be a big lift. How can two complementary tasks find themselves competing with each other? What is the risk of adding people to fill gaps and move faster with development? Let's explore both of these questions. Can complementary tasks create adversarial competition? The client determined that our priority for the spring is improving their invoice process and standardizing a manual process within 
our Oracle Apex work. In the early weeks of this project, we called our application middleware as a means of helping corporate users get comfortable with yet another solution tiptoeing into their office. The gradual drifting from the benign term middleware to a targeted, focused project on generating invoices required all of the building blocks for invoices to exist within our Oracle database. The users managed the data in an on-site legacy system we codenamed DAX, which likely incorporated multiple legacy systems poorly linked to each other. Dirk, who had served as our team's first business analyst, provided us with 136 data table definitions. He created these tables to ensure compatibility with DAX. We had to capture what DAX had. And to perform that task, our data structures must resemble the remote data system structures, as a general rule. The DAX project faced its own mortality. As I mentioned in a prior episode, that the unique order number cycled after 100,000 orders. This recycling process meant that the order numbers were not unique. DAX created rules that did a poor job of validating data. The DAX users did a terrific job in bypassing these poor rules, meaning that we had hundreds of customers with the name of dot, or a slash, or a series of dots, or a series of flashes. Customers were duplicated within the system, DAX failed to accommodate the complexity of addresses. Not only does ElectroTest have to accommodate the standard issues of physical address and mailing address, clients may have multiple locations. ElectroTest may be requested to inspect a client's crane or forklift that is located at a temporary site. DAX failed to accommodate the complexity of managing contact people at client sites. Seems like they had one contact name and phone and email. Then someone decided they need another for accounting, then another for technical contacts. The database within the legacy system did not remain within the normal forms that keep tables efficient. In the customer table, when needing a new address, the developers added a new field for a new address type. Similarly, when needing a new type of contact, they added a new set of fields for the new contact type. Here is the email and phone and name of a person who gets the inspection reports. That's three fields. Oops, we need to track the invoice contact separately from the primary contact. The developer added three new fields for that new contact. The data normalization process that was discussed in episode five, the color of language, suggests that customer profile data remain resident in the customer table. Then we create a table for addresses. One customer can have multiple addresses in a parent-child relationship. The addresses can be identified by their purpose. Oh, here is the invoicing address. Here is the official or registered or primary address. Here is the address for their warehouse. Similarly, Contacts should be stored in a separate contact table, giving the users freedom to add and remove contacts easily. In a small company, one contact may be designated as the primary, the accounting, and the reporting contact, all without duplicating data. 
The database system underpinning DAX had the capability to host properly normalized tables. The human beings designing it did not anticipate growth and change. The human beings took a few common shortcuts. These shortcuts seem easier and get jobs completed faster during the early moments of a project. As software matures, gets a few gray hairs, new users come in, the business requirements shift, the software cannot flex sufficiently to meet the demands. Easy for us to stand back pointing or joking at these historical mistakes. Instead, our team must embrace these challenges. In order to generate an accurate invoice, we require complete customer profile data. No system can generate an invoice for a customer named dot 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 or slash slash. We looked into the legacy data and found an email that said Fred, missing the at sign and a qualified domain name. Our mission included creating a digital connector to the legacy system. Then we were required to import the customer data, transforming it into something real. Honestly, we cannot create a customer when the only name we have is dot dot. How does a team sort good from bad? It took months. It took weeks to create the tools that imported from the other database system. Likely not weeks to create the tools, but weeks to get them right-ish. Perfect ought to be the objective, and it remains elusive. A philosopher once said that one cannot make a silk purse from a pig's ear. The silk purse fell beyond the scope of our time and our skills. Bad data are bad data. It only improves when human beings manually improve the data. We tried. In one customer record from DAX, we had four contact names. One or more of the names may be empty. One or more of the names may be identical. One or more of the names may be identical, but the email addresses are typed differently. Maybe both email addresses are valid. Maybe only one, or maybe neither. DAX did nothing to ensure the quality of these data. In past projects... Once the development team figures out how to import data from the legacy system, we practice a few times, then we make one big final pull before going live on the new system. With ElectroTest, we depend on the external system. Our new application had not yet created all the modules and features of the DAX system. Therefore, every new customer came from DAX, plus their contact people, plus their addresses. Every hour of every workday, we had to pull data from the legacy system. What could possibly go wrong? Nearly everything. We had to write logic that looked into each contact name and determine if it was good enough to be real or do we toss it out into the bin. Same with addresses. That's our job. It's just work. We needed to know... If a customer was a duplicate of an existing customer, the DAX customer reference numbers were not precise enough for doing that. To solve problems in DAX, users occasionally added a customer for a second time on purpose. Then sometimes they added a duplicate because they could not find the original customer. One of the crazier problems we faced from pulling data from this remote database is that they're database defined null differently than our Oracle database. In Oracle, null is the absence of data. 
Think of a number field. A number field could store 0 or 1 or pi. 0 is a real value. 0 means 0. You can have an invoice with 0 euros due. 0 is not the absence of data. It is data. Null is the absence of data. So we have a variable type called Boolean. The casual definition of Boolean states that it has two values. It is either true or false. In Oracle, our Boolean variable has a third state. A Boolean can be null. Null is neither true nor false. Wrap your head around that. A null is neither true nor false. If you add null to anything, you get null. If you concatenate a series of letters to form a word, say H-E-L-L-O for hello, you'll do well. If one of those letters is null, then the entire word is null. Null is null. When we pull null data from DAX, its null was not null, nor was it anything else. The Oracle database and the other database were not compatible at this level. As we pulled these messy data into the new system, we attempted to normalize the data. We put the contact information into the contact table. Similarly, we put the address data into the address table. We executed this process again, attempting to improve the quality of the data while reducing the risks of duplicating data. At present, the staff at ElectroTest depends on the legacy systems to generate their service orders and to generate their inspection reports. To create a service order in DAX, they must have the customer existing in DAX. Through the spring and summer, the new application required customer data and order data to come from DAX. Getting the importing process right involved repeated efforts of trying, modifying, trying again with hundreds of thousands of rows of data. Failure tended to mean re-importing the entire data set. DAX orders often had a value of zero or one cent. Sometimes the DAX orders had a value of minus one, minus one cent. These data points reflected a user's attempt to work around or through issues within their legacy system. Now, these same orders with incomplete or inaccurate data came into our glorious new system. Our system still had that new car smell and that shiny exterior. I should never take offense by loading a new system with junky data from an external system. But maybe I did anyway. If I had a wand from Olivander's shop on Diagon Alley, I might have done better. The task tried my patience. But to deliver an invoice, we need these data. Our systems did not yet have the means of creating orders. That returns to the question, how can added scope create negative competition within a project? The users create service orders within DAX. The service order lines describe services performed and the travel fees. The order lines had necessary values to calculate the invoice value. DAX order lines were missing a unique code that informed us which inspection service had been performed. In most systems that perform such tasks, one invoices for a standardized item. Systems like this have an inventory table. 
The inventory table may also include service items. We create a linkage between the order and the goods services ordered. We validate the goods or services against another table. The pricing gets standardized. The descriptions and product service names are standardized. Maybe there's some rules in there. This service is taxable. This service is not taxable. This item can be discounted, but this item cannot be discounted. We create a table for goods and services that stores the profile for each item sold, whether a product or a service. If your business primarily involves selling goods, then the table tends to be called inventory. If your business is primarily selling services, then maybe we name the table service. Electrotest primarily sells inspection services. The DAC system did not appear to have a table that defined these goods and services. An inspection for a petrol pump or a passenger lift did not have consistent identifiers, codes, or primary keys. The DAX order included a description of the service, and it did that in only one language. Client, Electrotest, provided us with sample data of the inspections they perform. We had the Microsoft Excel spreadsheets that contained the descriptions and pricing information. Excel spreadsheets are horrible databases. While working through the DAX import and invoicing process, we strove to create data structures that would store these inspection services. If you picture building blocks or Lego bricks as an analogy, our system had a building block for customer contacts and addresses. Imagine placing a brick down for contacts. On the same foundational level, place the address brick right next to contacts. Snap the customer brick on top of both address and contact. Now we have building blocks for the service order coming in from DAX. Now snap the service order brick on top of the customer brick. Oops, wait, that's not right yet. Part of the data needed for service order includes the service data or inspection data. So now lift that order brick back up and adjust it to the right. Half of that brick has support. Half of the brick does not have support. The service order stores data about the customer and data. The service order stores data about the customer and data about services performed. Therefore, half of that order brick floats over empty space. We have no service order data yet. We have not yet built the building blocks that define an inspection service in a uniform and complete manner. We struggled to capture the complexity needed for the pricing process. The invoice brick can now snap on top of the order brick. Nearly all of the data we need for an invoice comes from the service order. The invoice brick snaps in there, fully supported and apparently solid. When snapping these imaginary Lego brick together, we should discover that we are building a solid structure and one without holes. Holes in the wall represent holes in the data. The service orders could not be validated against a standardized set of inspections. We could not find standardized codes. There are none. We could not validate pricing. It was not yet standardized. The service order brick showed a gap below it. We had no table that accurately and completely modeled their service data. Without that, we could not improve the messy data we get from DAX. We would fail 
in the same way that the DAC system was failing. Back to the lifting project. The lifting team at ElectroTest wanted a quick solution to aid inspectors performing inspections in the field. The client hoped that we would blast together a system as quickly as we had stood up the framework. Inspectors would arrive at the client site. They would select the customer's assets, such as a personnel lift or a forklift. They would inspect it. We would offer quick codes for the inspection on a dial pad with the top 12 codes. Seems easy. The client knew we could create table-based applications with user security in a few days. We would have all of the client data and be ready to go. In fact, we had definitions for the data we needed to store about the customer assets, forklift, cranes, escalators, etc. But what is missing? We have customers and their contact people. We know their addresses. We can make an inventory of their assets. We do not yet have definitions of inspection services nor their prices. The very same hole or gap that we faced with the service order data. Internally, our technical team faced pressure to ignore the gap and jump ahead. We were asked, can't you just catch the quick codes and get the inspection completed? Making myself unpopular yet again, I had to ask, to what end? Performing an inspection for a customer meets two objectives. First, the customer gets an inspection report from a qualified inspector. Second, ElectroTest invoices for those services. Every inspection generates an invoice and revenue. In our case, our building had a huge gaping hole. We could not step from customer and customer asset to the creation of a service order. We had no inspection service codes. We had no pricing process. We must solve these problems before we create a cool dial pad app for an inspection report. We must push forward to resolve the issues in front of us. Accepting a quick project that will nearly immediately slam into the same conflicts does us no good. We will fail in the same way the legacy system appears to be failing. Sometimes doing A before B is required. Sometimes pulling trousers on before slipping your feet into shoes is simply better, faster, and more efficient. For the long-term viability of the software our team was building, we should not leave holes in the structure. And where possible, we should reinforce the integrity of the data with good relational database rules. Let us avoid past mistakes. One discussion involved bringing in more programmers, folks new to the team. They will take on this standalone module. In support of that statement is the fact that the field service module does run separately. It will be on a handheld tablet used by the inspectors for exactly one inspection domain. The team doing inspections in the lifting domain execute their practice differently than the other domains. Can't our team just bring in new developers and set them on that task? We faced conflicting goals with the lifting module. Our assigned and core mission for the spring focused on generating invoices from the legacy system from the system we codenamed DAX. Following that process, we expected to solve problems related to the definition of inspection data and how pricing is done. From there, we can create service orders from our native data. We would fill the hole beneath the service order Lego brick. From there, 
we would barely have to touch the invoicing module, hopefully. Both projects face the same core issue. If you add new programmers to create a standalone module, we risk losing the cohesive structure that we have been building. They would create a solution filling the gaps for the lifting team, and the lifting team may get an inspection module that generates inspection reports. But where's the invoice? Where is the service order? Will this shortcut solve long-term problems, or will we be creating parallel systems. In the 1980s and 1990s, organizations and developers agreed that nobody builds anything until a 100% description of the requirements are understood. Projects died horrible deaths from this process. People tend not to possess the ability to see that far into the future, examine the intricacies of each module and how they interrelate. We gather requirements. We write detailed design documents. Then we write software to meet the design documents. This process fails. One cannot grab all of the requirements at once for a large multi-phase project. We can try. That is not necessarily the failure point. The failure stems from the objective. Software developers get happy points for ticking off tasks within the design document. The developers scored completeness by comparing their product against the design document. All too often, the design document did not capture what the client needed. The focus of building great software must be building software that solves clients' problems today. Nobody cares how well we scored against the design document. That is the wrong objective human nature, and financial budgets enhance the sense of failure. The client paid for requirements gathering process and drafted a comprehensive document. The client paid for the comprehensive design document. The client wants software, and we have delivered two massive documents. The client did not read these massive documents, and they don't see the future issues. Finally, the developers start writing code. Their target Our target is the design document as it is written. If the goal is to develop software, then develop software. You can show the intent of an application design better with an application than with a picture of an application that is surrounded by words written in English. Users and clients have a super easy time pointing to elements asking for changes. Electrotest gave us their corporate colors. Their dominant color is red and gray. Create the left-hand menu in their corporate colors. Historically, our team uses colors on buttons to communicate. Red buttons delete. Green buttons add stuff. Blue buttons did something affirmative, such as save or next or whatever. Gray buttons were benign. Gray buttons carried you backwards or canceled a process. Blue buttons served as the default button, or as Oracle Apex calls it, the hot button. Normally, a page has a hot button that saves the data and a gray button that lets you back up. Red menus and green buttons look too Christmassy. The blue buttons with the red menu looked horrible. We went through several iterations, sometimes sharing screens, to build consensus. Hey, what do you think about this? We collaborate on decisions using the software we are building. 
We are not looking at some stupid piece of paper with a picture of what it might or could look like. We are doing it and doing it together in the software we are building. Software designers and architects learn to shorten the cycle between requirements, design, and development. Don't design the entire system in one go. Do it in a continuously evolving set of stages. We must listen to the client, do something, then get feedback immediately. Often, when the client says, we got it wrong, what we learn is that neither of us understood the complexities involved. We did what the client wanted, so that should be right. When looking at it in context, it isn't right. We see new requirements. We see new complexities. We both look at the challenges together, acknowledge it, and solve the problem. Except not always. Sometimes the developers hear the customer say, this isn't right. Then the developer says, I did exactly what you told me to do. The developer wants the customer to know the customer provided the wrong information or incomplete information. Some developers would demand a change order or new instructions. I step into that trap once in a while. So easy to do. I work hard at doing what the client wanted. I used your corporate logos, your corporate colors, blah, blah, blah. When I behave like that, I force myself to remember that we both need to solve the problem together. The client gave me a best guess. I delivered a first draft. We examine it together and improve it together. We all get to employ all sorts of happy and overused words such as collaboration and synergy. The client left familiar territory the moment they started changing process, like coming to the edge of a map, you know, back when maps were on paper. You just don't know what is beyond the edge. We must leave room for trials and improvements that come in small steps, baby steps. The client and developer ought to face the unknown together and not play gotcha. I did the best I could with their colors. Steve and I tried to improve the layout to incorporate their colors and fonts. Let's share our screens with Brom. Together we can get the colors right, find good colors for buttons, bring the application closer to the brand book. We possess the expertise with HTML and CSS to make the changes. Brom's opinion matters the most on what is right and what is wrong. We need to quit guessing and do it together. One of my guidepost sayings borrowed from a book called The Seven Habits of Successful People is begin with the end in mind. In the early days, we defined end as meeting the specifications described in the writing of requirements or design documents. The end must be successful software. The end means an application the client loves. Otherwise, why the heck are they paying us? How does a team develop a comprehensive vision for the end of a multi-phased, multi-part, and likely multi-year investment? We must begin with the end in mind. How do we make sure that our beginning takes us all the way to the end? First, admit we wiggle. We make mistakes. We diverge a bit. We may have to readdress issues. Second, We must keep the wiggles, mistakes, and rework to a minimum. Rework and wiggles 
erode budgets and erode confidence. My vision for the end of this project includes the following concepts. Efficient and flexible database architecture, achieved by following the database normalization rules developed by Dr. Cobb in the early 1970s. Uniform, unified, consistent, and comprehensive at all levels from the user interface to the client browser to the database operations on the server. The application improves corporate efficiencies and meets operational goals and generates stunning, accurate, gorgeous invoices. Everything our software will do must result in improving the revenue stream. Walk with me on this exploration. Inspectors inspect client assets. In order for inspectors to inspect the assets, the inspector must be qualified. The inspection process requires training and supervision and periodic reviews. The process of tracking inspectors, inspectors' qualifications, and inspectors' training all enhances the invoice process. Imagine the cost of performing an inspection by someone unqualified. To carry this forward, the government of Belgium occasionally audits electrotest. All of the records related to inspectors' training, reviews, qualifications must be visible and organized for a successful audit. Fail that audit? Watch revenue drop. We must have integrity from the invoice through to the inspections, to the inspectors, to their qualifications and their training. The building blocks snap together. I can start anywhere in the software and its numerous modules or tables, then walk to the invoicing process. Let's look at customer complaints. We need to track those. Some complaints may result in credit memos or refunds to the clients. Complaints tracking will provide a foundation for root cause analysis. Complaints cost money. Understanding and diagnosing complaints may save money and increase revenue. Start anywhere in our suite of software and the path leads to invoices. On this project, the client determined that our first major deliverable will be invoices. With ElectroTest, we begin with the end in mind. We got so committed to this concept, we delivered the end of the project first. Logically not possible, but think about that. We build the invoice module immediately, then everything thereafter must flow smoothly to that invoice module. If it flows, it could be in scope. If it diverges, it is out of scope. Without a large, comprehensive, and cumbersome document, our team shares one vision for a successful venture. We begin with an end in mind. Gorgeous, accurate invoices that enhance revenue and reduce regulatory risk. That is a mission statement. That phrase becomes the long-term target for every action. When pressured to develop a parallel project that does not honor the mission statement, we risk failure. Therefore, I asked, how does this lifting module help generate gorgeous and accurate invoices? I am asking, how does this module integrate with the long-term corporate goals? I am asking, does this task introduced in the third month enhance our ability to solve long-term systemic problems or, or not? Our wall, our software architecture, has a hole in it. We will fill that hole, creating solutions and writing code. 
Do we shift our priorities to the problem? Or do we invest time and funds on creating gorgeous invoices? The problem remains at our horizon. We all see it. We're all impatient to find solutions. Does creating a standalone application for one division of a national company bring us closer to the end or not? Nobody wants to hear no. I don't mind saying it. So easy. No. We must finish invoices so that we understand the entire architecture and the gaps. We will then circle back together to address these gaps as a team. The answer is, absolutely we will build this module, but in time when we have consensus on the fundamentals. When we said later or in due time, I think people heard us saying, We don't have the time nor the resources to solve the problem. I think people heard us saying, no. I am certain people heard me say, we need to follow a linear progression, or some dreaded phrase. So we got offered more programmers. If you need software developed, then hire programmers. If you can't get code written fast enough, hire more programmers. Risks of adding staff. It seems entirely contrary to state that adding programmers does not speed the development process. I think I first read that statement in a book called The Decline and Fall of American Programmer. Edward Njordan wrote this book in 1992. One might think that if it takes five programmers a month to write a service order module, then it should take 10 programmers two weeks to accomplish that same task. Software development is a craft We bang on tin and we build stuff from raw materials, in a way. We build to a shared vision with shared tools in a shared environment. New team members must thoroughly embrace the team's standards, table names, field names, coding requirements, tools, techniques employed. In the hundreds of tables, many have the field display order, which permits a user to adjust how they want the data presented. Take by post or by email as examples. Alphabetically, By email is first in English, but not across all languages. Maybe by email is preferred and ought to be first. We include a field called display order so that users can make that decision. In all tables, except two, the field is named display order. In exactly two tables, that same field is called ordener with number abbreviated. Suddenly, The team writes code that does not compile. We have to look it up. Those two misnamed fields are ticking time bombs for any developer who goes near them. It costs us time, money, and emotional frustration to have to look that up every time. Adding staff means bringing new people to the team standards, reinforcing the standards with reviews and feedback. It means more communication. Does everyone have an assignment? Does everyone understand the requirements? More programmers can slow a project down. One or more people adopt roles as trainer, coach, and supervisor. One or more people start spending more time managing process instead of developing code. Want to know what slows software projects down? It takes time for both the client and the developers to study challenging problems. We must stand shoulder to shoulder looking at the issues. Electrotest and the developers do not yet fully understand how to model the inspection data and the pricing process and the data tables. You can't add a programmer 
to solve that problem. We ought to add programmers when the lack of programmers is the problem. If there are hours in a week when developers are idle, then adding a programmer may reduce idle time, but it will not move the project forward. Adding programmers when lack of programmers is not the core issue, then we get longer meetings. We talk more, do less. That is non-intuitive. When we do add programmers, we must accept that for the first weeks and months, we lose efficiency while investing time in building the team. Nobody knew knows the project, the tables, the structures, the objectives, the standards, the look and feel. A new person must learn all of that, no matter how experienced they are as a developer. The newbie sits down with expertise saying, well, at my last job, we did it this way. Well, in my last project, I was taught to do it this way. It's better. Team members are human beings. If we say, shut up and listen, we fail at building a team. On the other hand, We can't keep shifting standards, tables, techniques, tools, and process to accommodate each new member. This is how we play football on this team. You join this team. Please embrace that. We're pretty good at it, too. It is a tough balance. Finding it takes time and energy. People still get pissed off or feel that they've been pissed on or ignored or underappreciated or unheard. Damn, people are humans. When people join teams, they bring all of that humanity with them. So let's go build some invoices and an invoicing module. It must work in Dutch and French. It must accommodate crappy data from an external legacy system. And this module will replace a workflow performed by ElectroTest staff members using Microsoft Excel. Until next time, be well, do good, and have fun. The Soul of an Internet Machine is a copyrighted production of Fire Media LLC 2023. All rights reserved. You can find me at my website, christinamore.us. Email is okay. Christina at christinamore.us. For now, I am still on Twitter with at Seymour underbar SP. That's Charlie Mike. Z-M-O-O-R-E underbar SP. 